0: If our song sounds marvelous in a gym, just think of what it will be in glory, huh? As we stand before the throne, all the saints of all the ages, singing worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We continue our, our journey in First Timothy, we turn to chapter 5 today, and we read verses 1-16 through 16, where Paul talks about confronting others. Probably not something that we necessarily enjoy doing, but part of ministry in the body of Christ, caring enough to confront. 1 Timothy 5, beginning at verse 1. Paul says, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are widows indeed, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family, and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to put younger widows on the list, For when they feel sensual desires and disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married. Bear children, keep house, and keep and give the enemy no occasion for reproach, for some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened, so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, these are words that... You have given to us by the inspiration of your spirit. We pray that you would teach us today, that you would guide us into your truth. We know that your word is everlasting truth. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Former Major League Baseball player and and manager Lou Pinella was asked what it takes to be a good manager. And he paused for a minute and then he said this you need to know when to pat a player on the back and when to kick him in the butt. (laughs) Now, I probably wouldn't use exactly those words, but I think what he said is really worth noting. There are times when people need encouragement and we must be there to give it to them. Uh, We are commanded by God to be encouragers and I pray that we would be wonderful encouragers but there are other times when people need correction and we need to provide that also we dare not run from problems that need to be confronted and I don't know if uh, that's your nature to just kind of run from problems to kind of just hope they'll go away and just kind of ignore them and somehow it'll all uh, work out well, there comes those times when we do need to confront. And that's what Paul tells Timothy in this section here. If you've been with us in our study of 1 Timothy, you know that we've mentioned several times that that Timothy was probably a young man that was, was fairly timid in his personality. And so the task of correcting someone was probably something that he would just as soon avoid. And yet Paul reminds Timothy that there are times when confrontation is necessary. And he gives some examples of that in our text today. First of all, notice how he appeals, uh, an appeal to an older man. We must appeal to an older man as a father. He says, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father. A father. Now the word translated sharply rebuke is, is a very strong word. Literally it means to strike with the fist. And I think Paul is, is likely using this as a metaphor because I don't know of how many people that would actually think of striking an old man with their fist. Metaphorically then it means a sharp rebuke. It pictures one who, who uh, hammers someone with harsh words. And really no one in the family of God should be hammered with harsh words, but this is especially true when dealing with an older man. Our purpose in correcting an older man as it would be in correcting anybody is to restore such a person. And that is why Paul says that you appeal to him as to a father. You approach an older man as if he were your own father. Father, Your own dad. You come with gentleness. You come with respect. Our scripture lesson this morning was from Galatians chapter 6. And that first verse really describes it well. He says, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. The word restore there is a very interesting word. It was used to describe the setting of a broken bone. And if you think of setting a broken bone, you obviously do that with gentleness, don't you? I remember when our son Andrew broke his wrist, both bones in the wrist needed surgery and Took him down to Children's Hospital and uh, there was that guy, that nurse, that was not really gentle with his wrist that I could just see Andrew's... And I thought, you know, there's a good example of where gentleness is very important. And so as you think of rebuking someone, especially someone who's an older man, Paul says, you do it like a father. You do it with gentleness. You come with respect. You do not sharply rebuke. An older man. And he goes on to younger men and he says, Appeal to younger men as brothers. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as to a father, to the younger men as brothers. Have you ever been corrected by someone who comes to you with just an air of superiority? As someone who comes to you and says, you know, I'm the smart one, you're the dumb one, I'm wise, you are foolish, let me straighten you out. Does that work very well? But I tell you, when you come to someone with that kind of an attitude, there is a wall that goes up immediately. Just amazing how that works. And that's why Paul tells Timothy, as you deal with younger men, you treat them like a brother. If you come to someone on the same level as a member of the same family, they are much more likely to receive your counsel. It's interesting, in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter addresses elders, and he has some things to say to them about their ministry. And yet he approaches them in this way, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder. Peter could have come as an apostle and say, you know, I am the apostle, I come with revelation from God, you need to listen to me. But he comes as a brother, as a fellow elder. Not this air of superiority where I'm the smart one and you're the dumb one and I'm going to straighten you out. It doesn't work. So appeal to an older man as a father, to younger men as brothers, and to older women as mothers. Verse 2, Paul says, the older women we approach as mothers. I don't know about you, but I've never given my mother a tongue lashing. I just can't imagine coming to my mom and just, you know, just reaming her out with my words. Never. My dad would not have stood for that. Uh, Even when I complained about uh, supper, my dad did not stand for that. And I didn't want to wound my mother. I didn't want to come and just, you know, lashing out against her. And and Paul says that is how we treat older women, like a mother. Same kind of respect that you would give to an older man as, as a father. And then he goes on to say, if you need to correct younger women... You need to treat them like sisters in all purity. In all purity. And so all of these have to do with family, don't they? Family relationships. An older man as a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters. And that makes sense because what are we? If we love Jesus, if we call God our Father, we are a family, aren't we? We are part of the family of God. And as a part of the family of God, it ought to make a difference in how we deal with problems, shouldn't it? When there's issues between us, when there's something that needs to be confronted, when there's areas of concern, we deal differently as the family of God, or at least we ought to. And yet sometimes we see that that doesn't happen in congregations. I've seen uh, situations where there needs to be confronting of things and and people get mad and they leave and and they're, I'm out of here, I don't have to deal with this. That's not how a family functions. Then people walk away from conflict and they carry the conflict with them and they bring it into the next congregation. Instead of really learning what it means to function together as a family. Older men as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. And then he moves on in verse 3 to a, a longer section here. Here's an appeal to the congregation concerning widows, to care for widows. We know from the Old Testament that God has made it clear that widows are to receive special care. It isn't surprising that the early church, they chose those seven men in Acts chapter 6 to care for widows. <laughs> they were being neglected in the daily uh, distribution of food. And, and the apostles said, you know, we, we, we must continue our focus on the word and on prayer. We need to choose some men who will take care of the widows. Uh, James 1 verse 27, uh, he uh, says that uh, caring for widows is, a, is an evidence of, of spiritual life. A pure and undefiled religion before God is to visit the orphans and the widows in their distress. So there's, there's that clear Old and New Testament teaching that, that widows need to be cared for. And Paul is giving Timothy some instruction on that. And there's some areas of of confronting things that Timothy has to do with this as well. And I'm sure Timothy is thinking, come on, Paul, it's enough already. I've got to deal with, with older men. i got to deal with uh, older women and younger men and women, uh, young women. You give me some more? Come on, I can't deal with all this. But look at what he tells him. There seem to be three concerns here. Some widows who were being supported by the church had family that should have been caring for them. Verse 3 says, Honor widows who are widows indeed. Then he defines that in verse 4, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Notice that, children. I hope you caught that some uh, return to your parents for what they have done to care for you. Did you catch that, children? Is that loud enough, huh? And especially if dad goes first, you need to make sure that mom is cared for, okay? And what was happening in... The congregation there in Ephesus where Timothy served is that some widows who should have been cared for by their family were being cared for by the congregation and the congregation was not able then to minister to those who really needed that help. Those widows who were really left alone. And notice how firm Paul is on this. Verse 7 he says prescribe these things as well so that they may, may be above reproach. And in verse 80 he says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now that's pretty firm, isn't it? Paul says, if you don't care for your family, you have denied the faith. You are not living consistent with faith in Jesus. And then in verse 16, he says, if any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them and the church must not be burdened. Okay, so there were some that that were being cared for by the congregation who had family. And Paul says, as a family, you need to deal with that. That's the first line of help for widows. The second issue, Timothy had to address. Some widows who were being supported by the church were using the money for sinful pleasures. Verse 5, Paul says, Now she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day, but the one who gives herself to want and pleasure is dead even while she lives. And so what Paul is saying here is that widows who live for pleasure do not qualify for support from the congregation. John MacArthur puts it this way, far from being supported by the church, such women need to be abandoned to the consequences of their sin. Their desperate situation may then lead them to repentance. In the meantime, kingdom resources must not be used to support a sinful lifestyle. So Paul says if if there's a, a widow who's receiving support from the congregation and she's just living in pleasure, taking the money that was given for the sake of the kingdom and using it for sinful pleasures, Paul says don't support that. That person needs to be brought to repentance. Now, some would say that's harsh. But should we, as, uh, as, as the body of Christ, be supporting ones who are living in sin and pleasure? But then there was a third concern. Some widows who may have wanted an official ministry in the church shouldn't be given that position. Verses 9 through 16, Paul describes widows who are involved in some kind of an official ministry because there are qualifications that they must meet in order to be put on what Paul calls the list. Look at verses 9 and 10. He said, A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old. So, To be put on that list, you must be at least 60. Having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. And so evidently these were older women who were known for their godly life and they probably had some kind of ministry to younger women. That's the best we can figure out. Because in, in Titus chapter 2, Paul talks about older women ministering to younger women. And it's likely that these women on the list, and Paul, obviously Timothy knew what the list was. We don't, haven't seen the list. But there were evidently qualifications for a, a widow who was over 60 who would then minister officially within the congregation, probably to younger women. Now, what may have been happening in Ephesus is that some of the younger widows may have wanted to be a part of that ministry. Their husband had died and and, and no longer caring for him, and so they may have wanted to be a part of that ministry. And notice how Paul warns against this. Verse 15, he says, refuse to put younger widows on the list for when they feel sensual desires and disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they've set aside their previous pledge. So there must have been some kind of a pledge or some kind of a vow that they made that they would remain single and give their life in service to the Lord. Paul says, that's not a good thing for younger widows. And he goes on to say why. Verse 13. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married. To bear children, to keep the house, and to give the enemy no occasion for reproach, for some already have turned aside to follow Satan. And so there must have been some of these younger women that were were put on the list, and and then they made this vow, this pledge, that they would remain single and serve the Lord. And then as younger women, they had that desire to, to have a family, to get married. And Paul says when they make that vow, and then they violate that vow, God takes seriously our vows. So he said, don't put the younger women on that list. Encourage them to marry. Encourage them to to raise a family. Encourage them to care for the home as, as God has created them with that desire to have a family. One author says, it's God's design for young women who lose their husbands to remarry. This protects them from living a life of singleness which their strong desire for marriage and longing to rear children would make them ill-suited for. It also protects them from seeking solace in improper relationships. And so this instruction was not meant to punish the younger widows but to protect them. Encourage them to marry encourage them to raise a family encourage them for that desire that god has placed in them for their protection as you think about it isn't that what ministry in the congregation is about we want what is best for people we want them to be protected from that which will bring pain into their lives and that's why there are times then when confronting is needed and that's the spirit in which we must confront. Because we care about people. We want what is best for them. If we see them traveling down a pathway that is going to end up in pain and heartache, how can we just say, well, if you want to go that way, go ahead. huh? If you're driving down the road, and you know there's a bridge out. He's going to say to the people coming behind you, well, if you want to go out, you know, go into the creek, go ahead. It's your choice. That's not love. And yet in our culture today, that's the, that's the attitude of most people. That's the road you want to go, go ahead. Rather than saying, you know what, this is going to lead to pain. And I care about you. But I want you to go down that pathway. And that's the spirit in which we must confront when that's needed. I'm not saying that you should be the designated confronter where you're sticking your nose in everyone else's problem. That is not the point. There are times when we are neither part of the problem nor are we part of the solution. But when God has made it clear that He wants us to go to someone and just say, You know what? This is not the pathway you should be traveling. This is not the road that you want to go down because the end result of this is going to be heartache. And I humbly appeal to you that you would turn from that, that you would turn to Jesus. Now, often people will accept that. When they know that you're coming there in love and concern, I must say sometimes they won't. Sadly. But then you've done what you could. As you lovingly, out of concern for that person, have gone with a spirit of gentleness and meekness, considering yourself as well, lest you'll be tempted. And then trust that God can take that. And God can use it. And I'm sure we all look back at our life and think of times that someone confronted us when we needed it. And maybe at the time it wasn't the most pleasant thing, but we'd look back and we say, you know what, I'm so thankful for what He said to me. I'm so thankful for what she said to me. We're family, aren't we? Brothers and sisters in Jesus. And If I'm heading down a pathway that is not what it should be, I hope you'll tell me. And I hope you would be the same as well. And so we treat older men, as fathers, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger men or younger women as sisters, willing to confront because we care. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this instruction that You gave to Timothy, a young man, a man that seemed to be quite timid. And yet, Lord, there were times in in his ministry when he needed to confront because he cared. So, Lord, give us that love for people, that desire to see what is best for them, that willingness to confront when that is needed, done so in love for others. And may it be received with graciousness and with thanksgiving. Lord, thank You that You loved us enough, that You confronted us with our sin. Through Your law, You showed us that we need a Savior. And then You provided that remedy, that answer in Your Son, Jesus. Lord, thank You for that. And I pray that You would take this word now that You have given, apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.